Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Welcome to Dirt Radio. Good morning, Melbourne. Um, You've drawn the short straw again this morning. It's uh, Jeff Waters here. Uh, I'm um, struggling with uh, the technology in this studio at the moment, as I often do. Uh, and we've, we've, for some reason, this strange audio keeps repeating. Here it comes again. Listen. Sounds like we're in a video arcade. <laughs> well, that's Anna Langford, who's going to be our guest today. Um, I'm uh, uh, a bit of a loss. Uh, yeah, welcome to Dirt Radio. Good morning, everybody. Um, uh, we're, we're coming to you live today from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, whose uh, elders, past, present and future we acknowledge. Of course, this is a land that has never been ceded, so the Wurundjeri people are still my sovereigns. Let's put it that way. Uh, and um, today we're going to talk about some New campaigns that are coming up for the next year from Friends of the Earth, Dirt Radio brought to you by Friends of the Earth. Uh, And we're going to be talking to one of the most impressive young political figures in, uh, in, I shouldn't have said young then, sorry, one of the most impressive political figures. (laughs) I'm still on the right side of 30. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible phrase, the right side. Yeah, the right side. Which side is the right side? (laughs) But uh, Anna Langford, who is uh, from the Friends of the Earth Act on Climate Collective, is going to be talking to us about what they're going to be up to over the next 12 months and and into the future, and also how you could uh, participate, how you could join in and and help things. Good morning, Anna. How are you? Good morning. Um, With this funny video arcade sound that keeps happening i'm once again in the state i've been many times on dirt radio where i am trying to hold in laughing and i'm glad that there's not a visible audience to see me there it is (laughs) again but no that's all right i can hold it together (laughs) (laughs) i have to keep pressing audience (laughs) listeners i have to keep pressing a stop button to stop it from happening so you might hear it pop up every now and then i don't know how we're going to do the music in a minute but anyway Mm. all right so anyway here we are i have to tell you i have to share something with you this morning anna something beautiful diddle 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 something beautiful that happened to me on the tram this morning uh i was sitting on the tram on the way in and about five or six what looked like year nine or ten girls got on the tram and they started singing the songs from A Sound of Music, which you wouldn't expect. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> they knew the words. They knew the songs. And um, although they started uh, Doa Deer in the wrong key, which <laughs> made things a bit difficult considering it's supposed to be, you know, standard. But anyway, uh, and um, 
they're just singing to themselves, you know. So, uh, yeah, so this uh, radio presenter may may just have joined in. That is so on the tram. beautiful because I happened to be driving home from my choir last night also belting out a bit of sound of music and ah. thinking to myself, I bet nobody my age or younger still actually knows, knows these bloody the songs. But <laughs> they were recounting what happened in the film. They were talking about the fact that, what's her name? Um, the boyfriend is a Nazi. Oh, yes. Um, Rolf. I forget. Rolf, that's it. That's it. And uh, uh, oh, it was just so gorgeous. Anyway. What's uh what, what what's what's happening in your world at the moment, Anna? Um, yes, all right, to drag myself back to campaign land. Um what has been happening? Well, so um just again to um it's been a while since I've been on to intro myself. Um I'm part of Friends of the Earth's Act on Climate Collective. Um and I yeah. did introduce you. Oh yes, thank you. you I know you did. I just <laughs> <laughs> I was so distracted. You want to underline that? Yeah, you've been distracted by the technology and like the, I am. And the sound of music. Um, but yes. <laughs> um, well, as... let's just sing something. Sorry, please continue. All right. All right. Where, where was Compose I? Compose yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, as a, um, yeah, as a community climate campaign, um, you know, like climate campaign groups around the country, we're gearing up for what is predicted to be um, quite an intense summer in terms of climate impacts and you know it i think these days like really every summer um has you know its own kind of forms of different intense impacts but um you know we know that the bureau of meteorology has recently declared that we've entered an el nino um state of the climate um around the world and that does mean that we are expecting um you know bushfires to be bigger and more uh, frequent this summer than we've um, had in the last kind of two years or so. Um, And, you know, I I say like expect to have, but they're actually already happening. Um, Up north, I read yesterday that in Queensland, fires have already burnt an area of land larger than Spain, um, which, you know... (laughs) I know we live in a big country and it's easy to use other smaller countries as comparisons for um, the size of these things. But God, that, you know, just to think of that size of land being burnt before we've even entered, um, you know, technically summer, December, um, I think has a lot of people really on edge and worried down here as well. Well, anyone who's driven across Spain would know that it actually takes some time. (laughs) That's that's a large area. Indeed. Uh, they've also had fires in uh, parts of New South Wales. Um, uh, the recent um, storms that have crossed that area, though, have been some respite. Mm. Um, though they don't know uh, whether that will affect the fire season mm. upcoming or not. But uh, whether it's this year or next year or the year after, we can expect this sort of thing to happen, you know, frequently. And also, we must remember that temperature change, just full stop, temperature change is happening, which must have a terrible effect on the environment. Yes. And, you know, I, I say like the, the last couple of years, um, we've had a bit of a break from the 
the level of ferocious bushfire that we saw in 2019-20. But of course, for a lot of people, it it hasn't been a break at all because flooding um, in many parts of the country has replaced, um, you know, fire as the the main climate impact front of people's minds. Um, so, yeah, like I think just from all areas, all communities, there's a lot of apprehension about what might hit. Um, and really, you know, I think what it um, means we need to talk about um, is that, of course, like, while we, we must continue to push for reducing emissions um, as much and as quickly as possible um, to alleviate the worst climate impacts in the, the future, um, you know, it, we also really do need to be talking about um, the need for communities to um, adapt to the impacts that are already locked in to some extent um, and how we're going to do that in a way that, um, you know, really centres social justice um, and environmental protection. So that's like kind of the principle at the core of um, Act on Climate's upcoming work and the work we've been doing for the last many years, really um, always trying to talk about uh, adaptation and mitigation at the same time, because we know we can't ignore that reality anymore. You're listening to 3CR Radical Radio, and the program is Dirt Radio, brought to you by the Friends of the Earth. I'm Jeff Waters, and I'm speaking to Anna Langford from the Friends of the Earth Act on Climate Collective. Anna, one of the things that worries me most about um, the future, uh, particularly in this country, is uh, what will happen to food production and food security when uh, crops start to fail and uh, at one stage a heat wave crosses the country and kills all the cattle and the sheep. What uh, what can we do to prepare for that? Mm. Yeah, look, I think it's a really important question to ask, like, what kind of preparation we need to be doing in advance of these impacts coming, um, especially when it comes to government policy, because at the moment, I think one of the key problems we're seeing is that the majority of funding currently being spent on dealing with climate impacts is to deal with them after the fact. So, you know, mostly in the form of disaster response. Yes. Um, and it's putting us on this reactive footing, which means that the money isn't being uh, invested to, you know, prepare for those kinds of things you're talking about. Um, and, you know, interestingly, like it, it's not like, it's not like there's nothing being done um, to prepare in terms of um, the actual like research and sketching out of, you know, the, the risks and where they're likely to happen and what we should do. Um, but yeah, like I think uh, the problem we're seeing is that the money isn't backing it up to actually enact those things on the ground. Um, so, I mean, to look at the state of Victoria, um, which, uh, yeah, Act on Climate has been focused on Victorian climate policy for many years now. Um, the Victorian government has seven um, what they call adaptation action plans for different uh, kind of systems in the state, um, systems that like uh, a kind of a way to divide up um, areas and means of adaptation. Um, so, for example, we've got like the, you know, agriculture adaptation action plan um, and one for water, um, one for built environment, things like that. 
Um, and to take listeners back in time a few years, um, basically the reason we have these plans and these um, you know areas of government devoted to uh, working on on these um, areas ongoing now is because the Victorian Climate Change Act, which um, we saw legislated in 2017, um, requires the government every five years to draw up adaptation action plans and a, a climate strategy to really? reduce emissions. Um, when was the last time we saw one of those? Well, the last one came out in 2021, and it was a year delayed because it was due to be released in 2020, but we all know that we were a little bit distracted by other things in 2020, at least of all the government um, oh, yes. with the pandemic. Um, but yeah, uh, basically they're due to be completed every five years, and they're supposed to be our way of tracking our progress to achieving net zero emissions by 2045, as the goal now is in Victoria. Um, so, you know, like we really put a lot of work into um, talking to communities around the state over the years to understand what they are seeing where they live in terms of climate impacts they're worried about and also what they want to see done in terms of localised responses that, um, you know, use the in existing environment and ecosystems as best we can um, to build resilience and also build community resilience that looks after everyone. And we really fed into that process of the adaptation action plans being shaped particularly by our People's Climate Strategy for Victoria project. And now the plans, those first plans have been written. They're very detailed. They really, you know, um, have people doing diligent work to scope the, the risks and um, the opportunities for action. But the problem we just keep hearing is that there is not the resourcing to back up um, the action needed to actually roll out those plans on the ground um, for in, in large part. So, you know, while we're making big strides on uh, reducing emissions in Victoria, um, you know, it's, it's kind of we really need to get more on the front foot with adaptation so we're not just reacting to things as they hit communities. Crikey. Well, you'll uh, always hear from this... Uh little Vegemite sitting in front of you, that uh, the industry should be paying for this adaptation, at least partially, because they're oh, the yeah. ones that cause the problem and they're making a fortune out of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, thus is capitalism, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, let's take a track. And uh, because I'm on shift this morning, I'm afraid it has to be Motown again. So uh, we're going to go to a little Aretha Franklin. Put miles between Put miles between us Take off to the sky Too soon to have to say goodbye This love Put miles between us to the sky. That's what I feel now. Too soon to have to say goodbye. This loving and leaving 
my attachment style Even wishful thinking has a shelf life May everywhere you fly from here be safe and smooth High up above my back and every week is a new adventure in dirt radio uh, sorry 3cr uh, technology uh, it turns out that the strange audio that you've been hearing throughout the program was my fault i have to admit that openly to you listener and i apologize greatly this is a you're listening to a former abc broadcaster of 35 years who always had someone else running the panel and now i have to do it myself and talk at the same time. Anyway, I shall try to remember to click that button 
next time, next week. You're listening to Dirt Radio, which is brought to you by Friends of the Earth, and uh, I'm Jeff Waters talking to Anna Langford from the Act on Climate Collective. Now, Anna, we've talked about how the government isn't really funding mitigation efforts or, or, or you know, how to... Or adaptation. Adaptation, that's the word I was looking for, thank you. Adaptation, properly. And there, when you talk about adaptation, what do you mean? What do they need to finance? Mm. Yeah, so as we were saying before, the key element of it is that it's not... Um, it's the kind of funding that will prepare us for coming impacts um, in a way that we can um, kind of build resilience to them and, like, lessen their effects when they hit rather than um, the kind of clean-up post-disaster funds that most of our money gets spent on at the moment. Um, so, Let's take an example, bushfires. Bushfires, yeah. So, I mean, one example might be, like, community, um, like, the kind of shelters that we need to see, you know, in every, um, really every town that um, could keep people safe during um, a bushfire, but also like potentially, you know, heat waves are a really big one. Lots of people. Um, heat waves call more, kill more people than anything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and, you know, we um, we see that happening all over the country because so many of, um, or most of our housing stock is just not really built um, to be appropriate for even like the the existing climate, no, let, exactly. alone, let alone Crikey. like what what we're going to see more and more of. Um, no insulation, yeah. At all. And so, um, yeah, like you know, I think infrastructure is a huge part of that um, preparatory adaptation work. Um, like just uh, really retrofitting um, and in new buildings, um, ensuring that they're. Um, built to, you know, withstand extreme heat and um, in a way that is like as efficient as possible um, so that we're not having to use lots more energy to, um, you know, create the like the safe temperature from those impacts. Um, So technology like passive um, heating and cooling, that kind of thing, um, which, yeah, we need to do anyway to to save energy, but is particularly um, important, uh, yeah, in terms of like, housing that will be more resilient um, to impacts. My, um, mind, my mind's going back to the aftermath of Black Saturday, which I worked on quite mm. extensively, and um, all of the people who, you know, died because they didn't know what was, what was going on. Uh, and I just, you just said the words, you know, bushfire shelter. I can't think of a better idea for some of those towns, large-ish towns in bushland areas to have perhaps dual-purpose buildings that can be used throughout the year or for other reasons but then Mm. be community refuges when it's really hot or there's a fire coming. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of these solutions, um, they would really apply to communities all around the state of Victoria. But I think a really important thing to note is that climate impacts the way they hit um, are so localised to both the situation of people in a particular area and the um, the ecosystem and the the landscape and the um, kind of localised climate of an area. So 
in that sense, it is really uh, important for communities to be able to lead this on the ground adaptation work in a way that, um, you know, makes sense for them and um, is kind of being judged by them in the way that they understand um, the local environment and needs of people. Um, So one of the new, like a new campaign that we're launching um, at Act on Climate is this call for the Victorian government to create uh, what we're calling a Victorian Community Climate Adaptation Fund. Um, And this would basically mean that there would be ongoing money in the budget each year allocated um, out to community groups that could uh, apply for, you know, amounts of money to carry out particular uh, localised adaptation and resilience projects. Um, And we think this is important because we have actually seen versions of it before. The Victorian government has in the past um, five or six years had a couple of uh, one-off grant programs where money's been distributed to communities that apply for it um, to do, yeah, a particular project in their area. Um, And it has worked really well and it's also been, you know, empowering for people to be able to take the reins in that way and do it in a, like, a way ahead of time rather than kind of being caught on the back foot after something happens. Um, And, yeah, we think that that kind of thing they've done in the past should be um, enshrined as a ongoing um, feature of the budget because now it's like, you know, we are seeing money in the budget each year to fund mitigation measures. And um, in 2023, it seems, um, you know, like we really should already be doing the same for adaptation. Um, so that's one of the key uh, things we'll be organising around for the next little while. Well, you hear, you heard it here first, listeners. Um, Friends of the Earth has a habit of coming up with great ideas and the government getting on board eventually like a ban on fracking in this in this state, like a ban on native forest logging. And very often, although it hasn't happened necessarily with fracking, very often other states tend to follow uh, afterwards. So we punch above our weight at Friends of the Earth uh, uh, listeners, and that's why you should join or you should donate or both. Uh, go to the Friends of the Earth website, uh, foe.org.au. And uh, uh, please, please uh, support us because we're at the front line of trying to help you. Okay, we're we're coming up to the end of the show, Anna. What what else will you be doing in twenty twenty four? Um. Well, in terms of an immediate call to action, if anyone is, um, you know, interest is sparked by what we're talking about, um, one of the ways that we'll be driving this campaign for the Victorian Community uh, Climate Adaptation Fund is through a new alliance we're creating called the Victorian Climate Front, um, Frontline Climate Alliance. Um, so the point of it is to bring people together on the basis of the you know them all being affected by different climate impacts. So a bit different to a lot of the climate alliances we see around the country, which are more based on, uh, you know, reducing emissions or resisting uh, extractive projects. This is specifically to bring communities together around the topic of climate impacts and adaptation. And, um, you know, we really want it to be 
uh, a forum and a resource for people around the state to share knowledge and ideas with each other and build power to campaign for um, this fund that would be so um, helpful for communities all over the place. So uh, at the moment, um, yeah, we're preparing to launch it uh, this Thursday evening oh. um, in the first meeting of the Alliance. And, Great. Um, yeah, we're so, just... So if I'm a listener and I want to become involved, can I? how do I get on, get on board by Thursday? You can jump on the Friends of the Earth Melbourne website and um, find the Frontline Climate Alliance launch in the list of events. Great. And um, just send through your RSVP and we'll see you on Zoom on Thursday night. That is sensational. And have you had much of an uptake already? We've yeah got we've got a good um, list of people confirmed from like a you know really great uh, kind of diversity of locations around the state and um, you know different interests and focuses and kind of knowledge bases. So yeah, I think it's going to be a really great um, bringing together of all these people. And you'll be trying to advise the government on where it should be investing this uh, this money. Yeah, I guess, and, you know, generating ideas among people for what they would use it for in their communities if it was made available. So, um, yeah, showing that there is that demand. Local decision-making. Exactly. Fabulous. Grassroots stuff, ladies and gentlemen, listeners and others. Uh, We're coming to the end of the show now, I'm afraid, which is always very sad. Uh, And uh, you've been listening to... Dirt Radio from Friends of the Earth on 3CR Radical Radio. I'm Jeff Waters and I've been speaking to the very impressive, very intelligent Anna Langford.